This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. And hello, Hearts of Oak. Thank you so much for joining us once again for a special looking at what's happening across the water over in Sweden. And it is absolutely wonderful to have Mr. Matthew Tierman with us. Matthew, thank you so much for your time. Oh, a pleasure being with you. And I have to say, I always when we hang out, I love your brogue. You have like a, a great, <laughs> deep, northern British, Scottish, Irish brogue. It's like so perfect. Perfect. Uh, so kind, so kind. Uh, but but first of all, Matthew, people can find Josie at Matthew Tiermont on Getter, on Twitter, all over social media. Um, and your guys seems to have their finger, I guess, on the political pulse across Europe. I mean, you were speaking at CPAC a couple of months ago in Hungary. You've been at Sweden. You're putting to what's happening in Italy. So maybe before we start, could you just introduce yourself before we begin to look at the seismic events in Sweden? Sure. And and I agree with your assessment. Like the Dutch say, I have my hand in a lot of dikes. <laughs> Dutch doll, Dutch doll. Uh, I, I, just by background, I'm American, but I'm also a Polish dual citizen. My father was an anti-communist dissident in Poland. I'm actually in Gdynia, Poland right now uh, because there's the Gdynia Film Festival. And one of his novels, uh, his most autobiographical novel entitled Philip, uh, was just made into a movie. And I mean, it's got Oscar Best Foreign Film written all over it. A, a story about my father's life during the war uh, where he was a Polish Jew who passed himself off as a Frenchman and served the Nazis in uh, Frankfurt. He was a waiter in Frankfurt's Grand Hotel the Park Hotel. Uh, and so this is, you know, a fascinating moment uh, to, to see this come to fruition. Uh, but that gives you some context. I'm deeply involved sort of uh, in heritage in Europe. I've been going to Poland for almost 15 years, have citizenship, got very involved in the Polish debate. Uh, back when it was the, uh, when I got on the scene, it was uh, the Eurocentric left. Uh, you know, when I, uh, uh, when I first went to Poland, it was uh, one week before the uh, plane went down in April 2010. Uh, when uh, when Kaczynski, sure. like sure. President Kaczynski and 92 others perished uh, mm -hmm. under questionable circumstances still. Not sure that those circumstances are exactly what uh, the Kaczynski wing says or certainly not what the Ann Applebaum wing says when she wrote two Daily Telegraph columns, one right after and one right before the by-election, saying that finally Russia's a great global citizen. They've been super transparent about putting this all behind us. I mean, it was the most politically self-serving tripe, but it's what we expect from her. Uh, but it was really, and then she went right back to bashing Russia, you know, right after they won the by-election uh, that they sort of shit into. Uh, but so I've been going to Poland for a while. And as I've been in Poland, I've gotten more involved in the European sovereignty debate, uh, seeing the Poles struggles with uh, the EU's encroachment on issues like uh, borders and, and now the attacks on democracy. Uh, the Polish democracy is very strong. Hungarian, which we'll talk about, is very strong. The mandates delivered by the people for unilateral governance, you know, no, no, you know, wide ranging disparate coalitions need to be built in Poland and Hungary. They're right wing countries, mm. uh, which, you know, I was just in Sweden and now the right, as, as Bannon, as our uh, our friend and host on uh, a lot of uh, his shows, uh, our mutual friend Steve Bannon, uh, has said, you know, he never thought in his life he would see Sweden being ruled by a right wing government, a right wing coalition. Uh, it is pretty 
I, I described it as magical at one point. So I'm a journalist, but I'm also I'm really an editorial journalist uh, in the U.S. I'm a bit of an investigative journalist and in Poland as well. Uh, go after I did some Hunter Biden work on some uh, email tranches that came through uh, uh, one of his jailed uh, jailed business partners that uh, gave me access to his inbox and put together some stories about Russia, China, Ukraine, Kazakhstan and the money laundering operations they were engaged in uh, and just in general, you know, global corruption uh, schemes uh, around many sectors. And uh, I work with Project Veritas in the United States. Uh, I think I've had James on with you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Recently. Enjoyed that. He's, yeah, he's a brilliant. He, I, I think he, the modern day muckraker. Yeah, America's got yeah. this great history of muckraking Nellie Bly, Upton Sinclair, Jacob Reese, mm. uh, and uh, Lincoln Steffens. And, you know, it died because the media abrogated their roles. So I do a lot of. Uh, work in the media, but also media criticism, media analysis, what, you know, the fraud that they are, you know, philosophical discussions about their abrogation of their role in society. And so I'm on the board of Project Veritas, which is the ultimate investigative journalism platform uh, led by James O'Keefe. Uh, so I'm, you know, deeply involved with James and that team. And it's an amazing team and does just groundbreaking work. So I'm, I'm you know, proud to affiliate and be in some sort of, you know, governance role with them as a board member. Uh, and then, you know, I've written columns in Poland. I've written a couple books in Poland. Uh, I had a, a book in, uh, in 2017 published about 2016 entitled uh, uh, essentially watching a, a Polish title, but I'll say in English, watching the world burn uh, the year of uh, Trump, Brexit and good change. Uh, good change being a nickname of uh, the law and justice government during their mm. campaign. Uh, time, uh, so I would just call them oh, sometimes tongue in cheek, sometimes uh, affectionately, sometimes mockingly, but uh, so that was, uh, you know, about 16 and sort of having called that through the columns. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I, I, I was, I'm, you know, we're great friends with Nigel Farage and, and Raheem and, you know, wrote for Breitbart London yeah. during Brexit. So I was oh. deeply involved in that debate and, you know, super pro Brexit. I'm a, I'm a sovereigntist. I'm a Westphalian sovereigntist. And I think the EU is a great abrogation of what's really worked yeah. uh, in nation state development, which is Westphalian sovereignty since uh, the 17th century, early 17th century. And we saw it work uh, in the Congress of Vienna in 1815. It really started to set Europe uh, into a position of political stability. Of course, there's war. But there was a diplomatic answer uh, by mm -hmm. having sort of sovereign, uh, the ability for sovereigns to air their grievances diplomatically. Yeah. And that it was only through this nation state sovereignty construct that that was allowed to develop. Uh, so the, the breakdown of that, where you have forced multilateralism by out of, out of you know, uh, far away uh, mandarins that always end up trending toward being more and more despotic, autocratic, yeah. rule by edict, edict, diktat, and fiat. It's what we've seen with the EU. I mean, the proof's in the pudding. And uh, uh, so I've been fighting a lot in the last, you know, five, seven years to, uh, you know, for Polish sovereignty, Hungarian sovereignty, uh, friendly with many of the, uh, the the sovereigntist parties of the right uh, all over Europe, uh, you know, Vox in Spain, the Swedish Dems, which we'll discuss, Fidesz, Law and Justice, the UKIP and Brexit movement, uh, Vlaams Belang in Belgium, uh, Front National, Le Rassemblement in France, and, you know, was very interested in Zamor's campaign on the same yeah. uh, predicates. Uh, and AFD, uh, to a lesser, used to be more AFD, but they're now, uh, the leaders of AFD are straight purchased by the Kremlin, Beijing, and Tehran. So I'm, I'd like to see AFD get blown up and we can start again on a sovereignist party. Their whole reason for being was a reaction toward Euro, uh, you know, softness on yeah. things like Iran. Uh, and uh, and Russia and Nord Stream and the migration. And now they're saying, you know, they were always the lonely German vote from the right, you know, w standing with Israel uh, the mm -hmm. way law and justice has. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and now they're, you know, trying to do business with Tehran probably because they've been personally bribed. Mm. Uh, some of these guys in AFD leadership are absolute abortions of human beings. Uh, Tino Krupola, the leader, Maximilian Cry, who's like never saw a, a CCP activity that did not reek of uh, benevolence in his view. I love when he tweets about how great they treat the Tibetans and the Uyghur genocide is a figment of the Western press's imagination. I mean, this guy's so bought and paid for. Uh, and then uh, now Stefan Koiter's, you know, meeting with Iranian uh, uh, diplomats and saying we need to be close to Iran. Uh, this is, you know, they, they were supposed to be the, the saving Western civilization party. But, hey, Iran, they're just threatening to nuke Israel and everybody else they don't like in their neighborhood. Uh, well, here, let's, let's get to Sweden. Let's get to Sweden. You've been there the last couple of days leading up the election. Just describe what that was like uh, personally for you to spend time uh, with Jimmy, with the whole team there, the whole election campaign. Uh, kind of give us a little insight into what that was like leading up the elections. Sure. Uh, so I've always loved Sweden, Scandinavia, just in terms of its its history, culture, mm -hmm. cuisine, the people. I mean, I know they're very, uh, you know, Northern European, Germanic, and they're not super effusive like uh, like Italians. And the political culture yeah. is so different. It's, you know, I, I, I joke that, you know, Jimmy, who's been doing this, Jimmy Akkison, the founder, uh, founder, well, not founder, but sort of founder of the new iteration, successful iteration of not fascist neo-Nazi Swedish Dems. <laughs> all we're going to read, as I said on Bannon yesterday, all we're going to read for now the next you know five years is every time they mention the Swedish Dems, they yep. say a party rooted in neo-Nazism, yep. which is you know I mean they don't talk about Barroso rooted in hardcore Portuguese communism, Marxism, uh, or Frederica Mogherini rooted in her head of the uh, Communist Students League yep. in Italy. Uh, but you know everything is a qualifying smear to color your opinion. That's what yep. they do. Uh, but you know Jimmy is this very staid, composed, like what you'd think of when you think of a Swedish politician. Hmm. And so he did great in the debates, but so opposite of the Italian debates and the Italian political culture where you have to gesticulate wildly and be all passionate all the time. Like you did that in Sweden, you'd be done. But if you did, you know, what Jimmy does in Sweden, and Italy, they'd be like, who's this loser? Like they wouldn't be interested in all what you have to say. Uh, so, you know, I, I've been to Sweden uh, and, and all over Scandinavia uh, over the years. Uh, in fact, I just went to Oslo after there's the last place in Scandinavia I hadn't been. So I wanted to just check it out and do a couple things. Uh, but uh, I'd been going to Malmö uh, starting mm. about 15 years ago when I went wow. to Scandinavia as a, uh, you know, just a, a tourist. I went to Copenhagen and Malmö yeah. and I just saw the descent into madness. So that really sort of woke me up to the Swedish situation. Malmö being the poster child of a city with no-go zones and totally under the control of, uh, of uh, you know, a migrant class of third world, uh, non-classical liberals, we'll say. These are not people who believe in the Western paradigms, whether it's mm. respect for women uh, or uh, rule of law or or, you know, any of the things that the West was built on that keeps the West stable and civilized. Uh, and these people are quite barbaric. I mean, the rape yeah. epidemic that you, you you hear about, you know, people say, oh, he's a racist. You know, this is not sectarian. Hmm. This is about uh, making qualified, quantitative and qualitative judgments based yeah. on reality and not sugarcoating it with, you know, moral and cultural relativism. Yeah. Uh, there is evil. There is bad things. Mass rape is bad. You have to be able to call out mass rape and those who commit mass rape and then try to enforce the law against them. Mm -hmm. And that hasn't been happening in Sweden, which is why the Swedish Dems got their mandate, as we'll get into. But so, I, you know, I, I have a lot of friends in the Swedish Dems. I always say to, you know, people around Europe, you know, to me, they're the model of a right-wing sovereignist party that should be emulated. Vox is similarly, uh, you know, 
uh, very, very uh, uh, comparable in terms of their whole, you know, mm -hmm. agenda, you know, between law and order, uh, you know, young, hungry, social media savvy, intelligent, polished, uh, but honest. There's no corruption in this party. Uh, there's, you know, a great sticking to what they believe in policy. They're, you know, they're not shying away from, you know, the media attacking them and the ugly battles that ensue, but they double down, they stick with, they stick to their guns on the migration debate borders. Uh, you know, they did a, uh, a campaign, uh, the, they bought the, uh, the, a Metro train in Stockholm and they painted it in the, uh, uh, the Sferi Demokratna logos and colors, a daisy and the colors. And, and so you, yeah, there are pictures of my, of it on, uh, on all my social media because they'd used this uh, as like a facade for when you walked mm. into the election party at the hotel that they had. But they, uh, and then to Tobias Anderson, who's a good friend and he's the person I was kind of kicking around coming. He's a MP in the Reichstag in the Swedish parliament. Uh, he uh, he uh, tweeted about it and called it the Kabul Express or next stop Kabul. <laughs> and uh, the people got their protests and people were angry and, oh, you're so insensitive. And you know what? They're good humored and it broke through because it's on people's minds, but the, yeah. uh, the censors are are the uh, the school marms of society tell uh, tell people you're not allowed to think it and you're certainly not allowed to say it and if you say it we're going to police it and that will hope you know then their goal is to then hopefully impinge on your mental ability to think mm. freely and then you can't even think it I mean it's very very Orwellian you know yeah. I always go back to politics in the English language uh, Orwell's like in circa 1940 essay mm. about how you know the left the socialists the communists how they're going to take language and spin it and now look what they did even things like yeah. man and woman the most basic conceptual frameworks of humanity have been spun in this leftist language uh, manipulation. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you're not allowed to question that. Uh, so the Swedish Dems, I've you know, been friends with many of them, Matthias Carlson, uh, Tobias Anderson, Charlie Weimers, they're amazing MEP um, who's in Brussels, who's just a brilliant erudite uh, guy. I mean, he, he to me, he reeks of future prime minister, even more than Jimmy, I think, uh, just because he's so erudite in ideas. He's like, he's like Swedish Richard Legutko. Uh, but more correct, charismatic, more polished, uh, yeah. more energetic. I love Richard Legutko. He gave me a book blurb on one of my books. Uh, but he's a very professorial. He's a professor from Krakow. Uh, uh, but Charlie's, you know, a next generation leader for potentially all of Europe, God willing. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, they, they, they got this mandate because they said the things that needed to be said. I was talking to I was in Stockholm from last Wednesday through Monday. The election okay. was on Sunday. And I was uh, I was talking to police and, uh, you know, everywhere police that were on our protection details, talking even to I always talk to Uber drivers. I knew Brexit was going to happen when I talked to the cab drivers, when yeah, I talked yeah, to yeah. the black cab drivers. They have their hand on the pulse and they were pissed mm -hmm. off. Uh, you know, the globalist bankers and insurance company executives and everyone in the city. Uh, yeah, they're they're you know, they they're spend their weekends in Spain and Italy. But it's the yeah. people who are really the heart of the city that yeah. know. And obviously, you knew that Birmingham and Manchester and, you know, many of the uh, the industrial, the hollowed out industrial centers of uh, Leeds and, 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 you know, all these places, uh, Sheffield, like they were they were going to go more for Brexit. But the X factor was how much of London would. Mm. And after spending, you know, a few weeks there in different different periods in the year leading up, you know, talking to the black black cabbies, yeah. uh, you know, the black cabs, the, these are the guys who really know London. And from all races, not just your Cockney, you know, speaking, hey, Gov, uh, but your immigrants as well who were driving uh, black cabs. They felt the same. Uh, they were like, you know, we didn't come to, to Britain and London to work to see what the EU's then, you know, neutering in our rights uh, in our free society that we've entered. Um, these are people who have assimilated. They're working. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, all again, on, on the Sweden Dem, uh, obviously, we'll, we'll look at the, the huge shift that's happened on Sunday. But actually, if you look, what excites me is how they're built upon 
past results. So from 2006, 3%, then 6%, then 13%, then 17%, now 20%. That's like step by step by step. Um, I haven't seen that across Europe anywhere else. That's why, to me, it's exciting. They're building on past records. I call it incrementalism, and I think that's especially – look, Scandinavia is one of his Bannon says is, you know, this capital of global progressivism for, mm. for generations, for 50 years. And to see – you know, you couldn't just unseat the yeah. established order, but the incrementalism. And, of course, you know, it's like a Chinese finger puzzle when you, like, you know, pull and it gets tighter. This is what the establishment tried to create. The more they were embedded, the more they saw mm. the threat, the more they attacked – uh, with smears like, oh, they're neo-Nazis. Yeah. And the more people then would realize, okay, you know, th- this is the, these are the people who've caused our problems. And we may not like the Swedish Dems, but we need something different. And maybe there's an answer there. The working class yeah. people have been voting for the Swedish Dems for the last 15 years. Mm. Uh, and that, that was their core of their base. It was working class, populist party. But what happened in the last two cycles, especially this cycle, is suburban elite said, you know what, they're not stigmatized anymore. The situation's got so bad. My daughter's so at risk of being raped that, you know, these hawkish, uh, you know, immigration restrictionists, uh, you know, we may need a dose of what they're what they're selling Mm. Uh, and just for balance in a democracy. Because uh, the pendulum had swung way too far. Yeah. And so, you know, I've talked to a lot of Swedes last week when I was there meeting with, you know, people who aren't even in politics, people in business. And they said, you know, I, 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 there was an open ballot system. So people would see you'd have to ask for the p- party of the ballot and then you choose mm. the people. And so if you're going into your local polling site and your neighbors are there, there was a huge stigma to asking for, you know, a Swedish damn ballot. Yeah. And so that, you know, that has to change. And now that stigma is, you know, it, the marginalization of them of the Swedish Dems has been drying up and the stigma I think is rather removed. It's now mainstreamed. I even saw this. I made one comment on one of the shows at walking in Stockholm on the weekend before the election, Friday and Saturday, the Swedish Dem posters were up in the same sort of frequency as the social, social Democrats, the incumbent leftist party, Magdalene Anderson, who just got turfed out. Uh, And previous years when I was there, when I'd see pictures, they would be ripped off as quick as they went up. They'd be graffitied. And now they were unmolested. It was like, ho-hum, they're Swedish Dems alongside the moderates, alongside the liberals, alongside the Christian Dems, alongside the Greens, alongside the communists, alongside, you know, whoever. So it's like they've been mainstreamed as a political party. Mm -hmm. And that's to Jimmy's credit and to guys like Tobias and to, you know, many of their others and the media strategy of, uh, of, of, of these guys. They're young and media savvy and they put themselves out as reasonable guys. Yeah. Uh, and gals, and they are, uh, and they've done an amazing job. And now people aren't ashamed to tell their neighbor. I voted for the Swedish Dems. I talked to when I came back in at five a.m. from the election party. I uh, my the night wa- the night uh, desk guy at the hotel I was staying at in Central Stockholm. He was he was up and he seemed like he was a good mood. And I was pretty drunk. And so I, we were chatting, and I said, uh, you know, we, did you watch the election? He goes, yeah, it's amazing. I'm so happy. I mean, he's a young guy, 25, uh, mm. and he just kind of – he was wearing his heart on his sleeve. I think he kind of – maybe he saw my Swedish Dem bracelet or something, but he was comfortable to tell me, which usually in Sweden it's not always the case. Uh, and uh, we talked about it, and he said, you know, I'm from a middle-class, working-class middle-class suburb of Stockholm, and we've seen the complexion of the neighborhood, the demographics yep. change because of immigration. And we're not allowed to talk about it. And I, you mm-hmm. know, go to school and the teachers were so clearly indoctrinating. Some of me and my friends, you know, young men, 
Young men are more aggressive by nature and they are more willing to fight and push back in their youth. That's why you send them off to war. Uh, that's why it's young men who are soldiers and yeah. women are historically nurses and teachers. You know, gender is not a social construct, but there are some social constructs that go along with gender. Uh, and he, I said, you know, we would get like detention and yelled at. And if we didn't, if we pushed back on some of this, the, the overt indoctrination and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse there. And so, you know, everything is like, it gets to a boiling point, you know, the, mm. with the old, with the boiling the frog and we're the frog. And you know, I use that analogy about European Union constituent member state sovereignties, they're boiling frogs. Poland has said, we do not want to be boiled alive. Yeah. Hungary, same thing. And now Sweden's saying that. And that's a magic thing. I mean, they tried out Greta Thunberg on Friday to do like a climate change rally, but she did a climate change rally with the LGBT trans flag behind her <laughs> you know, and yelling, you know, on the march to the rally site where there she gave yeah. a speech where she's reading from a from a paper the whole time uh, that, uh, you know, uh, no racist, no fascist on my streets and then led the group in chant international solidarity. You know, we must save our planet or something. And it's like workers of the world unite mm. the green agenda is now, you know, the economic, it was, it was always a class warfare agenda. Workers of the world unite was the Marxist chant. And then it became about race and then sexual identity and, and still is about, you know, LGBT issues and trans being now the tip of that spear for the, for this, for this cohort of activists. Uh, but the, you know, the, the, the racist, the fascists, but the green, the green agenda is now the real class warfare replacement, I think, uh, for the Marxists. And it just had this feel of a Marxist chant, international yeah. solidarity, like we only have one planet, something like this. Well, let, let me bring up the uh, results, not the coalition ones, yeah. but the separate, and then we'll look at the, the coalition. So here we have the Sweden Democrats, uh, the third one in there, um, at 20.5%, yeah. uh, an increase from last year. They're now the second largest party this yeah, and, they subsumed, wow. and where they took that from was a little bit of social dems but uh mostly moderates carl yeah. Bildt's party so what I, I said this to steve that this is like the uh you know maga coming in and filling up the house of representatives in the freedom caucus with 120 members uh as opposed to you know the rhino squishes the uh adam kinzinger's and liz cheney's and mitch mcconnell's and romney's and those who are not with the populist movement they're much more country classical country club republican globalist economically uh you know free mark we all believe in free enterprise uh we're not communists but you know those who would say you know aei style economic uh, policy mm -hmm. race to the bottom and labor costs hey your town is hollowed out and you're addicted to fentanyl but at least your chinese made iphone is cheaper <laughs> and that's you know their mentality but they don't give a shit that the uh the towns are hollowed out yeah you know so yep. it's uh you know as tucker says you a country with an economy or economy with a country Mm. And uh, I used to be an Austrian economist. I was a Wall Street guy. I was a Randian, and I'm not anymore. I'm 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 I've tried to. I'm not as economically nationalist as Steve Bannon, uh, or her AOC, which he could find some common ground on uh, with. Uh, but I do understand the uh, the need for tariffs, for protecting your industries, for protecting your yep. jobs, for encouraging job growth, not just through uh, race to the bottom and labor costs. Yeah. Uh, and offshoring jobs to then say, okay, well, that'll create an innovation cycle and there'll be new jobs. You know, maybe, maybe not. What we're seeing is not. <laughs> it's not. Well, I want to, Brett, the, uh, just look at the, the numbers again before we look at how this maybe has happened a bit more and you've touched on. Those are the uh, two sides. Sweden is a, a country of coalitions um, and the Sweden Democrats are the in the larger group, the ones on the right there and on the right, uh, 176 to 173, very thin majority, but they will now be part of 
the government. So, I mean, tell us about that, because although they are the largest party on the right, the second largest party altogether, they probably won't, Jimmy won't be a prime no. minister. That's probably a wise be. choice. So tell us about that. So Jimmy is untenable to the other coalition partners and to the moderates. Yeah. So they're, they're stuck on that. Now, my view is this is going to play out in... Uh, and uh, you know, part and you know, parliamentary politics. Obviously, it's it's messy. Uh, the coalitions uh, get built. Uh, you know, where some are happy, some are not. Then they break. I mean, it's just it's, it doesn't have the stability, honestly, of you know what I perceive in America's sort of constitutional two party yeah. republic. Uh, but uh, the moderates, uh, you know, Ulf Christensen will be the initial PM. He's a bit squishy, but he can't go out and go full Carl Bildt mm. because then they lose their mandate. The largest parliamentary uh, support that he will have if he wants to hold the position is from the yeah. Swedish Dems. So if he does not tack to the right and address some of the issues that the Swedish Dems became the second biggest party on and the biggest party on the right, uh, like borders, like immigration, like law and order, uh, then he will lose his mandate. The government will fall. And if they have to hold new elections then the Swedish Dems will get even bigger because they've been mm -hmm. further destigmatized. Yep. Uh, and then they'll have even more power. I think that, that this is the, the sequencing of the dominoes, in my view, are set. The, the, you know, we've seen this trend and it's continuing. And now the trend is really validated by their, mm. by their position now. Now, look, I would argue, and I have made this argument to my friends in the party there, they need to push for two ministries. Uh, and, you know, let, let all of the technocrats of the moderates have you know, most of government, but there are two ministries to deliver your policy agenda. And that is the foreign foreign ministry, the ministry of foreign affairs and the interior ministry, the interior yeah. ministry to protect borders and the foreign ministry to diplomatically figure out with all those who are sending, you know, the migrants, okay, you're taking them back. Uh, if you put, they're floating Carl Bild as foreign minister. And I think that's something that they need to spend all their political capital on destroying, making sure does not come to pass. You do not have the ultimate globalist who is as, in bed with Ann Applebaum and the lefty uh, technocrats of the EU and Washington and the United Nations, uh, you know, running foreign policy uh, for the government now with this mandate. I think that's an absolute debacle. Uh, well, so I, well I, I, um, I mean, Salvini was Minister of the Interior and obviously as deputy. So maybe that is a a model um, yeah. for the Sweden Democrats. Certainly. And uh, they would do better than he did. He's kind yep. of a, a joker who uh, is pretty much done in politics, as he should mm. be. I don't think Lega Fratelli is going to be subsuming the entire right wing populist nationalist base uh, yep. in Italy in, in 10 days. Uh, and that's just because Salvini is not a serious person. Uh, I mean, he was a cult of personality. He was a good polit he politicked well yeah. in some ways like Trump, uh, but he uh, he doesn't have the uh, the, the right skill set to really sustain political leadership and to do a good job in a, in a technocratic role like interior minister. Uh, I mean, he did do some things that were very, you know, strong with, you mm -hmm. know, with the, with the migrants pouring in across the Mediterranean to, to from Sicily up to Naples. And he, uh, he acted rather strong on that and then ended up with, uh, you know, lots of rule of law uh, uh, threats from, from, from Brussels on it. Uh, and then turfed out for it because he, you know, didn't play it right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the but for, uh, but, uh, for Sweden, I mean, I've I've watched State of Sweden, uh, but not all of it. It's a massive documentary. But as I've watched Sweden over the years, it seems to be the immigration issue, the the destruction of Swedish culture. That seems to be what is riling people up, and probably is, is that what lies behind the rise of the Sweden Democrats. They're calling this out whenever the other parties are pretending it doesn't exist. Yes.
straight, yes. Yeah. They, they were a reactionary party built, just like AFD was built in Germany, to address this issue. And AFD even earlier, because you know they had uh, Turkish migration since the 60s and 70s. Yeah. I, I saw a great chart, a great map on social media the other day. Second largest language spoken in each country of Europe. And most countries, it's English. Mm-hmm. In Germany, it's Turkish. Guess yeah. what it is in the UK? You know this. Polish. Polish. Oh, it is true. It's true. Yeah, Polish. All my neighbors uh, are Polish. It's true. Yeah, and they're great <laughs> people and they work hard. Yeah. And, they, yeah. and you know what? They, you know, the Brits have lost a lot of Poles because of the uh, the new government uh, uh, child subsidy uh, yeah. structure. Uh, so a lot of Poles uh, from, from who had emigrated the last 25 years came back, came back to Poland. Uh, but yeah, I just thought that was, you know, pretty, pretty telling. Uh, you know, most everywhere is English, but mm-hmm. in Germany and the UK, uh, you know, they're migrant populations. Uh, but here's the other thing to uh, to take note of. Should this government fall, uh, the right wing government quickly, the left has a problem as well. They'll get an option. An op- uh, the way Swedish parliamentary rules work, they will get an option to build a government. Okay. But it'll be really hard for them. Uh, because, hey, you're not going to have the crossover for majority, or maybe you'll peel off a few moderates who join the social depths. I mean, they're, ba- they're basically sim- they're very similar, I mean, at this mm. point uh, on, so- on a lot of issues. Uh, but th- even if they you know, could get a few, they would still have the communists. They've got you know, a uh, leftist party that are essentially communists. One of the interesting things on Sweden that I discovered, and I didn't know this going in this uh, recent trip, was both the right and the left stand firmly with Ukraine and against the Russian invasion. They understand, uh, as do I. I mean, I'm a Pole. I understand Russia. I've been to Russia. I've been to mm. Ukraine many times. I know what, what it looks like. I I think you remember I reported from the border. I reported yeah. from there. Yeah. I was supposed to be at the contact point when it when it broke out, and mm. I couldn't go because it was just being invaded by Russians. Uh, but the, 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 war, the atrocities and war crimes that have been committed by Russia, Sweden has – very, very, you know, uh, consistent, cohesive view on this, which I really appreciate. I think it comes from realpolitik and geography's destiny. They know what Finlandization looks like because their neighbors are Finland, yeah. who have had to deal with this for for generations, for hundreds of years. And so now they see encroaching Russia again. And, you know, it's like Poland having Ukraine as a buffer. Well, Sweden has Finland as a buffer. But if that mm. buffer looks at risk, you get more hawkish. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. as a, man, uh, a, uh, a material fact of self-preservation. Uh, so they, uh, but there's one, only one party and it's essentially these communists who say, no, no, we should, Russia's great. We should be friends with Russia, but they're also half joking that, Hey, we would love Russia to take over Sweden. So, yeah. uh, so I mean, you know, 97% of, uh, Swedish, uh, politically involved people stand with Ukraine, uh, cohesively, no, no. clearly. Completely. Uh, can, can, so, sorry. Can I ask, sorry, the, I've never come across a party before called the moderates. I was like, that's just so bleh. So yeah, it's even so worse than the Lib Dems. It's just awful. Yeah. So what will they They're very, very, very similar to the Lib Dems in the UK oh, in a lot no. of ways, which is crazy. That but they're on the right. How will they will they be shipped by the push from the Sweden Democrats? Not necessarily directly, but a concern politically that if they don't follow that, or will they have their own mandate as well? I mean, how will the government be driven? Uh no, they're they're going to have to. They won't be able to get anything done in Parliament if mm. they don't, you know, make they don't adhere to some level of tacking yeah. to the right and 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 away from sort of the squishy globalism that they mm. were, uh, the Eurocentrism. Uh, and even their voters have gotten more hawkish on these issues. Uh, you know, they're able to pick off because a lot of people recognize the squishiness, yeah. but. You know, the mandate for the right uh, to take control of the Swedish government is predicated on Sweden is different than it was 10, 20 years ago in a really bad way. 
People yeah. feel it. People know it. The police I'm talking to are just like beside themselves. They're like, mm-hmm. we're not even allowed to go investigate, let alone prosecute rape cases. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there have been cases that, you know, I, the media won't cover it. You know, often not for it. Uh, there have been cases where, uh, you know, it's not legal to have, you know, just your, you know, uh, even weapons like mace in, you know, Utopia in Sweden. And if a, a girl, you know, maces her attacker, the attacker will get away and get off free, even if he's, uh, you know, apprehended, but she'll be charged. Hmm. So the lack of common sense, this is what I heard over and over again from the police that I spoke to. There's no common sense in our society among leadership. It's gone. They're so cloistered in an ivory tower that they've lost all semblance of reality of what life on the ground is like for normal people. And that's when that's how lefty Sweden, lefty, you know, anchor of Scandinavian politics, which is the lefty Mm -hmm. progressive anchor in a sense of global politics. Look at all the uh, supranational governance bodies that hail from Sweden, starting with the Nobel Foundation. Uh, They uh, who awarded Yasser Arafat and Barack Obama Nobel Peace Prizes. Uh, they, uh, you know, they've now been, they've had their comeuppance. They've had a political yeah, comeuppance. Yeah. Even if this government falls, even if the lefty government comes back in, you will not put this toothpaste back in the tube. Yeah. The yeah. normalization and the, 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 the reduction of stigma of the marginalization of the Swedish Dems and the populist, nationalist, conservative, mm-hmm. uh, sovereignists, working class workers, but now also suburbanites. Uh, this is, this is a sea change. This is different. And so this is, to me, this is like 2016 with Brexit and Trump on uh, 14, 15 leading in with Poland and Hungary. Something is afoot. I always said that, you know, yeah. the trend is going this way, but it would always be like market forces, ebbs and flows. There was yeah, some yeah. retrenchment. And again, you know, you had Le Pen last, not this past election cycle, but two, two election cycles ago, get 33%. And then, you know, do even better. So, I mean, mm-hmm. and that's in lefty France. That's the heart of the EU. The EU is a French academic project, Monet and this crew, and a German economic project. And everybody else be damned. Everyone else come along or you're not going to be yeah. able to trade with us. You you won't get our cheeses and you won't get our uh, auto, automobiles and heavy industry. Uh, so everyone's been and taken along where the interests, I mean, the fact that Strasbourg freaking even exists at this enormous cost to the European Union taxpayer, where yeah. one week a month they truck over every document from Brussels in a truck yeah. convoy of hundreds of trucks. And the only reason is because it creates jobs in Strasbourg. Yeah. I used to see the boxes in the corridors in Brussels whenever I went over there sometimes, and it's just madness, sheer madness. It It makes no sense. Uh, And I I would think that would have to be rationalized. Now, if I were an MEP, I would say, let's just do it in Strasbourg, just because Strasbourg is so much better than Brussels. Uh, But Brussels is bigger and can host uh, a bigger capacity uh, government contingent and all the, uh, like NATO and all of the, uh, you know, the the multinational governance, supranational governance organizations. Uh, But it's, uh, uh, you know, Sweden is going to be questioning all this stuff. Uh, Their MEPs just rose in stature now because they have a government that will be behind them, at least nominally. Uh, so this is going to be really, really interesting. It's going to take months to put this government together. The horse trading and the leaking of potential names and blah, blah, blah. I'd be curious. The, inter- the next shoe to drop, the next interesting dynamic will be, you know, who from the Swedish Dems enters into ministerial roles? Hmm. You know, which competences are given? And by the way, this is also fun. January, Sweden inherits the rotating uh, uh, conference That's of uh, Council of Europe. That is going to be fun. That's going to be really fun. <laughs> That's going to be really fun that, you know, the, 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 because the Swedish Dems are going to be pushing, you know, border restriction and possible yeah. deportations of criminals. How long before, you know, we, we see Poland, Hungary, uh, Italian style, you know, rule of laws under attack uh, from those to the president of the Council of Europe. Uh, 
which is going to be a Swede. Uh, it's going to be really, really funny to see the bickering uh, that 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 develops over the situation. And now we're going to read all the time. Uh, rule of law is under attack. Sure, this is a democratic right. mandate that they may have tried to steal with the late ballot tabulation, but you know who knows. Here, I want just as we finish, I want to ask you where where this fits in. Uh, I I enjoy seeing the EU getting a black eye time and time again, um, and obviously that balance of. Olaf in Germany, of Macron in France. Uh, that is now all threatened by what's happened in Sweden, by what possibly it, we're about to witness in Italy. Then you have in Hungary and Poland, you've got proper nationalist governments. Uh, wh- what does this do to, maybe not necessarily the EU project, but that drive towards progressive destruction of Europe? Yeah, well, I I believe that Brexit was an inflection point. It wasn't a random event. And it happened with the UK because the UK has always been an island of its own Anglo culture. It hasn't been of the continent. Look at a thousand, fifteen hundred years of history in the wars. Uh, You know, the UK is a special European situation. Mm. It is not a continental European. Uh, So it never fully. And and, and thank God for uh, Bernard Connolly, uh, Thatcher's uh, economic advisor, who kept uh, the Brits out of the Euro Monetary Union and, and yeah, kept the yeah. pound, the flexibility that uh, that it affords, the freedom that comes from having your own currency being managed by your own central bank. Uh, so Brexit happening, it was not surprising it would be Britain first. And Nigel, I would personally saint him. He certainly yep. should have yep. a, uh, a peerage. Yeah, uh, for a lifetime peerage, because, I mean, this guy saved British sovereignty. I mean, his his movement he built against all odds through force yep. of personality and his own energy, his own ability to organize and raise the money and win a political mandate. And then his elocution and rhetoric being as brilliant yep. as it was changing hearts and minds. Uh he, uh, he, I mean, he. To me, he should be like beatified. But and that's a twenty-five year process, which most people don't get. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but you know, this was the first shoe to drop on because since nineteen forty-eight, the EU started growing. It started mm. with uh, the European Coal and Steel Commission, yep. which was a uh, a pact between the nations of Europe to regulate steel and coal pricing and distribution for the yep. simple reason coming out of World War II, they wanted to control the mechanizing inputs of industrial level warfare. Mm. So sounds kind of noble. But this economic pact was a backdoor. It was a backdoor to political uh, force cohesion. And we saw the growth in the 50s and the 60s and 70s and leaders like Monet, uh, the French Academy, the uh, 60s, uh, the 60s French philosophers saying, you know, who are grossly socialist uh, in every way of their thought process. There's no room for God in their worldview yeah. uh, and a higher power. It was always the faith in in, in man uh, and, you know, the uh, like the universal rights of man from the, uh, the communist uh, countries. You know, it was always this kind of mentality. And. Uh, it just kept growing. And then obviously it grew at its fattest uh, after 2004 and the ascension of many of the uh, Eastern and Central European post-Soviet nations. Mm. Uh, And it just kind of reaffirmed at that point that it was kind of a Ponzi scheme. It had to keep growing. It hit the wall with Greece uh, and then the pigs, the uh, Portugal, Italy, Ireland, Greece, and Spain in 2012, when the contagion of the U.S. uh, uh, debt crisis became a sovereign debt crisis for European nations, which really Mm. mean German banks who were financing the profligacy. Uh, the same kind of, you know, American banks uh, through the uh, 
get too into the details of the American laws, but breakdown of Glass-Steagall, commercial banks became investment banks and vice versa. Yeah. The investment banks got commercial bank balance sheets so they could like just make risky loans. Well, the German banks were financing all that. So then in 12 and 13, you saw the deposing of freely elected sovereigns in uh, mm. Greece and Italy. Uh, yeah. Papandreou uh, in Greece, replaced by Papademos, and then in Italy, Mario Monti was was put in, uh, and there was no mandate. This was straight by uh, by technocratic uh, mm-hmm. elites. Uh, the the Troika, the ECB, the World Bank, yeah. the IMF, literally said, "No, no, you, you, we're going to force austerity on you." So it, it you know that helped lead to Brexit uh, getting done. I mean, the fracture of your 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 sovereignty uh, by foreign bankers coming in and saying, "No, no, you, that guy you voted for, no, he's fucked your country up, so we're going to put in our guy." Trust us. And by the way, you have to uh, cut your salaries uh, by 50 percent, which uh, with your degraded currency is going to cut your purchasing power by 80 percent. But don't worry. You know, we got to save the German banks. Otherwise, the whole continent will fail. Uh, And that's why Greece had a a hard Marxist move. So like a far right, you know, Mm -hmm. Golden Dawn and Syriza and like these different different parties that are like super far right, but also economically far left, you know, straight Marxist. But but because they're angry, people are angry. Mm -hmm. And so anger does lead to a rise of fascism. Strong figures come in addressing people's anger. And we saw this in Greece. Uh, Italy was a little bit more managed. It's a little bit more of the continent, a little bit more, you know, Western and uh, integrated in sort of world practices and philosophies. So, you know, our far right was just much more rational. That was the populist uh, Liga. And they ended up with a populist left who threw them under the bus immediately, Beppe Grillo's five-star movement. Uh, and that coalition broke up. So I've, I've suggested that, you know, I argue with Bannon about this, left-wing and right-wing populists should not be getting into bed together. Yep. Because the left-wing populists will immediately, as we saw in Italy, sell out to the uh, to just the hard left, uh, mm. you know, institutionalists uh, for, for, for table scraps. Um, so my, my view is the trend is like in the EU is broken. Brexit was the inflection. I would think the next major departure i don't know when it is maybe it's five years maybe it's 10 maybe it's 20 is italy and quitaly because you know if you you talk to uh italians when in 1999 to 2000 y2k when the euro adoption was triggered and everyone had to change in the they called the erm bernard Connolly kept the pound off the erm the exchange rate mechanism and traded in their uh, their their local currencies with german Mm. deutschmarks french francs uh and by the way the countries that economically uh economic sovereignty like Switzerland and uh, and Sweden and Norway and Poland and, and the UK have and Hungary even with its small economy have fared better uh, yeah. in, in controlling a lot of the economic issues in their countries. Makes sense. Uh, but the uh, the Italians in 99, when they traded in the lira and if people remember lira was like the forint. It was like yeah, yeah. some level of like thousands to the dollar and uh, or to the pound or to the mark. Deutsche Mark or Swiss franc. Uh, it was just a very degraded currency over many, you know, centuries of Italian banking profligacy uh, and economic profligacy coming from government and corruption. And overnight, the cost of, you know, a dozen eggs or a gallon of milk went up more than anywhere else in real yeah, yeah. purchasing, purchasing, uh, purchasing term, purchasing parity. Uh, you know, it went up like 10x instead of 5x or 3x in other parts of the EU. Uh, you know, Germany was a great beneficiary, but Italy really had to suffer through it. And if you talk mm. to older, you talk to like 65, 70, 75 year old cab drivers, they remember it and they shake their fists at the EU for it. Uh, you know, it was almost like the post-communist transitions, how painful yep. it was for countries like Poland uh, to uh, liberalize their economies like with Leszek Balcerowicz's shock therapy. It was uh, ultimately a successful economic experiment uh, by virtue of not just the shock therapy, but the entrepreneurship of the people, which obviously is the biggest, bigger determining factor in economic growth and success. Uh, but 
Italians were very, very butthurt as they should have been because they got screwed pretty hard. I mean, their 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 quality of life and their ability to consume yeah, uh, yeah. normal goods uh, was it, the change in it was very dramatic for them. Yeah. So I think it, Italians uh, would in the next ten years potentially wel- welcome an exit. Uh, the migration crisis was certainly very difficult for them. Mm. Or the Brussels to tell them, no, you have to do your part, which means take everybody in from the third world, go through your country and trample it yep. uh, on their way to better social welfare uh, uh, states that they can exploit, like France and Germany and Sweden uh, and the UK for for a while there. Uh, you know that uh, that 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 that's untenable uh, to 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 people of common sense and sound mind. So I, I think we'll see. I think we'll see a, a continuing trend in trying to dis aggregate some of the powers mm-hmm. the EU has given itself. And don't kid yourself, you know, viewers, you know, the EU, when it's like Lisbon, for instance, when the referendum is held and they say, no, we're Democrats in the classical sense, we believe in democracy and doesn't go their way. Well, then they, you know, throw a red card and say, no, we got to redo it for whatever, you know, superfluous reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, same, I saw this happen with, uh, in Austria, with the Austrian elections a few years ago, Robert Hofer won it and yep. they stole it with a mail ballot. They yeah. stopped the mail ballot. And, you know, a week later, they said, "No, no, he didn't win." I uh, you know there, and then they had to redo the election. Uh, so, and then of course they got in somebody they could do business with. Hmm. Uh, so it's uh, you know I don't trust uh, technocrats who live in ivory towers as far off mandarins as uh, somebody who grew up uh, the son of a communist dissident. Uh, my distrust of these uh, autocratic uh, top-down structures. Politics should be local. Uh, I like the American model with uh, states' rights. Uh, and ultimately, you know, the individual is sovereign. And so yeah, you yeah. need laws that can protect the sovereignty of the individual, not protect the sovereignty of a, of a cloistered ruling class. And that's what we have in Europe, unfortunately. So that but we're going to keep fighting and, and we're 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 making wins. We're making ground. Italy, Sweden. Poland, Good. Hungary. No, it's great. Uh, Sweden rule on Italy. So we'll have uh, just for viewers, we'll have Senator Lucio Milan with us again on the Monday after the elections discussing what has happened. And we're expecting to see great results from Georgia Maloney. Hopefully there. Prime Minister Maloney. Um, I think she's Prime Minister, honestly. Brilliant. That would be brilliant. She is, I mean, she is a really smart, savvy woman, Mm. strong, tough. I mean, she's Italian Thatcher. She doesn't have the economic uh, soundness of Thatcher. Thatcher really understood economics as a grocer's daughter, starting with micro and then educated herself on macro and having like, you know, and and Britain, like America, has got a great culture of civic minded think tanks and and ideas flowing through. You know, the academy Mm. goes left. So you start a think tank and you push back on it. So she had IEA, which to me, you know, historically, they're just brilliant. I mean, brilliant brilliant people to help her. Uh, So Maloney's a little bit more of an iconoclast. No, it'll be exciting, exciting to watch. Um, Matthew, thank you so much for your time. Great to have you on. And thank you for your input. And you've been there on the ground. So it's great to hear from someone who's been there with the party, with the election campaign, seeing things as they happen day to day. So thank you so much for coming back and reporting on the seismic shifts. My pleasure. My pleasure. And I hope to be back with you again. You know, you for, for the viewers, I've known Peter now for, for, for a little while and we've spent a bunch of time in London together and he's graciously yep. uh, hosted uh, me and my colleagues uh, at Parliament. Uh, and with your lovely just, yellow trousers. Oh, yeah. Bright yellow. Uh, I am a little bit of a dandy, but I'm not sure the yellow is me. I wear like, uh, I wear, you know, like Nantucket red and, uh, light blue. I don't think I've been yellow. Maybe mustardy. I don't know. I'll I'll check the pictures. I don't know. Check the pictures on that one. Let's go to the videotape. And of course we had that great lunch with, uh, with now father Calvin. 
who yep. I just Father love who's uh, on so, who's on uh will be on uh I, I think he will be on he was i think going to be on gb news he talked about his yeah. own show i think that's been put back because of all the queen stuff but um yeah. i think he'll be coming uh with his own show which will be quite exciting yeah he's a great thinker and great speaker and just a yep. unique character i mean i mean his fight against the uh with the anglican church yeah. i mean just like uh, these people have lost their way and you know i trust father calvin to you know help change hearts and minds to force the Anglican church to come back to reality because they're not serving their parishioners honestly or well. No, 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 he's brilliant. He's been on with us two or three times. So, uh, fantastic there, but we will draw a close to our discussion on Sweden. Uh, make sure and follow Matthew, uh, on this. And yes, we did this a few hours before, so this will hit you uh, Friday evening. Uh, do follow Matthew on social media on getter on twitter and where else can people find you are those the main uh, places instagram for sometimes and facebook i sometimes write some you know almost like a sub stack on my facebook when i f- feel in the mood and then you know i i freelance just contribute pieces from time to time uh you know from uh, european conservative where i'm on the editorial board american conservative american mind which is claremont's institute's online uh, journal i'm a fellow at the mm-hmm. lincoln fellow at claremont institute uh, i do polish television twice a week it's on youtube tvp world the show is rock rachon r-a-c-h-o-n uh so i do tuesday and thursday segments about what's going on in world politics u.s poland europe in general uh so that's uh, that's a lot of fun I speak my mind which, uh, which you know, I'm always gonna. So this Excellent. has been a great venue, and I'm a huge fan of Peter for you and what what you built in Hearts of Oak. And I uh, hope you have me on again someday. Anytime, anytime. You always have an open invitation, Matthew. Thank Absolutely. You, um, to our viewers, thank you for watching, uh, and our listeners, uh, as it's a few hours before it's on podcast. So if you're downloading, listen on the go on Podbean or any other podcasting platforms. Thank you so much for watching, and we will see you on Saturday with Dr. Neil McRae looking at overview of the week's events. So tune in for that. So I'll wish you all a wonderful rest of your Friday. Good weekend. Um, I will see you with Dr. Neil McRae on Saturday. So thank you so much and goodbye. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.